VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! This is who we are. There are no promises, no certainties. We are reliant on invisible gods who deign to award victory or curse with defeat. Unseen forces bless or punish based on whims unknown to coaches, players, or fans. Sitting in your split level in Bethel Park while pointing your terrible Tao voodoo doll north, northeast towards Hind Field will not sway these spirits. They are a capricious lot whose satanic thirst is satisfied only in the slow turning of Steeler fans over the hot coals of an unbridled euphoria and incomprehensible disappointment. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, September 25th, 2018, episode 57. This is Tom in the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost, and we are brought to you by the Armchair All-American Network. The Steelers managed to hang on to a 30-27 victory over the QB formerly known as Ryan Fitzmagic and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think that we're probably going to go to the Super Bowl on a rocket ship now. Um, in all seriousness, there were not a lot of uh, defensive improvements to be spoken of, and the aforementioned Ryan Fitz magic uh, did literally throw the game to the Steelmen, but that doesn't mean uh, there weren't tons of bright spots, and that doesn't mean that uh, we can sell short the offense and what they're doing right now early in the season, actually putting together good games, which is a glorious change of pace from last year. And I think that they're just starting to scratch the surface. So it's a great win for the Steelers, but, uh, you know, sloppy. I mean, Fitzpatrick threw for 400-plus yards all over the secondary with ease. And honestly, he had, they have four turnovers. Uh, Artie Burns actually forced a nice fumble there. That was a nice takeaway. But other than that, man, honestly, Fitzpatrick more or less threw the ball directly to the Steelers a few times. So, And, and we still ended up only winning 30-27 to 27 after being up 30-10 to 10 at halftime. Anybody that's counting style points at this point is asking for a heart attack because we'll take anyone we can get at this point. I think the the main concern is looking ahead and projecting what this defense is going to be like against a good, consistent quarterback. Yeah, I think that I had an interesting feeling in this game where I didn't feel overwhelming dread every time the Steelers were on defense because I simply knew that Fitzpatrick was going to drive the ball down the field. And I think I just try to look at this game in a different way, saying, man, I'm glad that I'm going to get to see Ben have an opportunity to pull out some heroics at the end because I love watching him do that. And it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to have to because they got obliterated. Um, I'd like to say that this is, you know, similar to a defense from a couple years ago that got yards put up on them, but makes opportune turnovers and you got to give it to them and they got four of them, but Fitzy did throw it kind of directly to them. So, well, I think you want to give credit to Bostic though. I mean, I guess 
Fitzpatrick he did hit that header. That, but Bob, yeah, I mean that, that that I give him credit on that. On that yeah, loss. they they definitely rank differently on the scales. I mean, he threw it right to Bud a couple yards outside the end zone, and then the one to Edmonds. But we will give Bostick some credit for headbutting the ball out of Fitz uh, pass right when it came out of Fitzpatrick's hand, and uh, the silver bullet for jumping up and making the interception. So basically. Let's do the view from 30,000 feet, right? It's a good but a sloppy win for the Steelers. A lot of stuff to like on offense. Honestly, after watching it a second time, there there was even more that I liked. Um, it's not like a quantum leap forward, but we are seeing an offense in the first few weeks here that is, you know, able to move the ball. You know, Tampa Bay doesn't have a great secondary, but they got very good guys up front, so it was encouraging to see what the Steelers did there. Obviously, the story of the game is, you know, three possessions in a row in the second quarter, Fitzmagic collapses and throws the ball to the Steelers, but still, a lot of good things to like. I I do have to say, though, it was an enjoyable watch because we got to watch the Steelers win a damn game, and there was some cool stuff we did on offense, but... This NFL product is beca- is becoming a problem. I mean, that was a gross game to watch, wasn't it? I mean, epidemic of penalties continue for the Steelers. That's something we'll get into more thoroughly later. But the Bucks were right there with them. I mean, the four roughing the passer calls just, and, and the implosion by Fitzpatrick, like that's not good football to watch. So somebody outside of the Steelers, you know, cheering for the Steelers, it's an ugly game to watch. It was, it was pretty gross. Yeah, sure. We had 13 penalties for 155 yards. You can question some of those because of the the hyper focus on roughing the, the quarterback at this point. Yeah, so let's let's get into those penalties. Maybe let's tackle some of the nasty stuff first and get to the good juicy nuggets later. That, we're, we're showing some growth here. See, we're not trying to bring you guys down. We're trying to bring you up. It's a Steelers win, and there's a lot to be happy about, even if we don't have a truly, quote-unquote, professional football playing secondary but the penalties man 13 for 155 yards add those to the yardage that the bucks actually gained on offense with Fitzmagic throwing for about 400 a little over 400 and the running game almost getting to 70 that's like that's 500 yards for the buccaneers in one game and you gave them almost 200 the steelers currently sit at first place in the league surprise surprise with 37 penalties Okay, but it's all right because the second place team, the Bills, amazing team. Granted, they did shock with that victory over the Vikings, but let's be real. They suck. The Bills are in second place with 28. Steelers out 37. So this is an absolute epidemic. 12 penalties per game. And that, my friends, is what we call a nightmare. But I guess there's a silver lining because you do think that Tomlin would be able to get that number down and, you know – not giving people 155 free yards per game, I think will improve our chances of winning. What indicates that that'll happen? I mean, I... Pure blind faith. Okay. Well, as long as we admit that this is just a prayer. No, honestly, the Steelers, uh, every year, the Steelers, the Saints, the Seahawks, there's a couple groups of teams who are like this, but the Steelers always improve. You know, Ben's record in the month of September... I'm not sure if this changed last – at least before the game I checked, I think, is 21-21-1 now, which – and he's wow. – as a, and yeah, so his, his record in the rest of the year is impeccable, especially in December. So I do think that the Steelers are a team that improves. And like I said, I don't think that the defense can improve tremendously 
So my, I, I do think they can improve a little bit. But you can definitely bring down those penalties, and it's very encouraging to see that the Steelers' offense is actually clicking pretty nicely, even if, you know, they technically only scored 23 points. Like you mentioned, they didn't have really a chance to score. On the well, second a, couple of, a couple of things working against us. What is our secondary? Can the secondary play better on a dry field? I mean, obviously... <laughs> The field was wet for everybody, but it seemed to have an inordinate effect on our secondary. The other thing is when I, I thought that Filer and uh, B.J. Finney did an admirable job, but there had to be some letdown on the offensive line. I mean, look at what Connor, look what kind of gains that Connor yeah. was getting. One big yeah. one for 27 yards. I mean, I would say he was effective. He had 100 total yards, nothing uh, against him. But I think the offensive line held up well. Ben had a lot of uh, improvisation he had to do. Well, that is a beautiful segue because that takes me to point number two, big theme number two. Let's organize these things. Theme number one is, let's be honest, Fitzmagic threw the game to the Steelers. I'm not saying they wouldn't have won if he didn't have those three interceptions, but that greatly formed the the narrative of the game and the way that the coaches had to coach and the people had to play afterwards. So that's number one. Number two, you mentioned Ben. Okay, Ben is crushing it right now. Ben is carrying the team and he's i mean i haven't seen him really take over this early in a season besides those first couple killer bees years when Levion was really clicking but man what i mean by kill, uh, carrying the team is similar to what we said last week he's not just sitting there and taking open completions all day little five yard things that are being manufactured for him nope he is hand uh, standing in the pocket he is moving around manipulating the defense on his own and and throwing people open with gorgeous throws. Now, he still has room to improve, of course. He does need to calibrate that deep ball. He hit Juju on one, but it was a little short, and obviously um, A.B. and him don't have their chemistry down because A.B.'s been open, and Ben did a better job of getting the ball to him early this game, but he, he does need to get those things going. And I do worry about the hanging in the pocket and trying to carry the team type of thing because... You know that's how he gets opened up for an injury, and we simply cannot have that. You know, I had now, to shut down. I had to shut it. down Twitter when everybody was on Ben when he hung under the ball. One of those times, trying to improvise, and got sacked. But man, live by the sword, die by the sword. Yeah. I think he had three times as many plays where he extended the play. You know, it's a risk, and it's irritating when he gets caught, and everybody blames him for holding onto the ball too long. But more times than not, he completes some. He completes the play. Hundred percent, and and you wouldn't even be in the position where you're winning if he didn't hold the hold the ball like that. So you're absolutely right. Live by the sword and die by the sword. Hopefully, over the course of the season, we can kind of bring that down to the mean uh, a little bit. But he's he has needed to take over for this team that can't stop anyone on the opposing uh, on the opposing offenses. So you're right. I mean, he's doing a great job doing that. Now, this is the first time in his career where he's been over 300 yards for the first three games of the season. And he's been over 330 in each one of them. I mean, he's he's really killing it. He's dialed in. I think that deep ball will come. We always talk about him being a chemistry type of guy, and uh, he needs to establish that. Um, but, hey, when you're thinking about that chemistry with A.B., I'm not worried that he's not putting up big numbers. Juju is one of the top receivers in the NFL right now because Ben is spreading the ball out. I, I – don't think that this is a huge problem the guy's getting over 300 yards every single game it's obviously working in some way and it's really nice to see that he finally for the first time i think ever has a cast of reliable playmakers around him 
right? There's no more Tavis, no Sammy Coates, Wheaton, or Ladarius Green. Those are like really high upside guys, but who didn't, who either weren't on the field a lot or couldn't catch the ball consistently. With Vance and Juju playing the way they're playing, complementing AB, and with even Washington stepping up and making some crucial grabs, he knows he's got guys he can trust to make the catch around the field. Yeah, he had eight receivers, um, inclu- uh, including Ryan Switzer. So now you have Mr. X Factor. I'm not going to say he's going to take over a game, but between Washington and Switzer, you've got a lot more guys to watch now. When we were talking in the middle of July about the cover being empty, the fact, I mean, with Juju, oh. it was just Juju and uh, AB. McDonald yeah. is healthy, and man, he is really healthy and producing. Oh. It's incredible. You just picked up where you left off with that, with that um, Jaguars game. And honestly, the, it, it could be hyperbolic to suggest this, but he might have already, he might have turned the, the the Steelers season around with the uh, stiff form of Doom 2.0. He crushed Chris Conti like a beer can at a frat party. <laughs> Dude, he, that was beautiful. <laughs> He's yeah. going to be on ESPN top ten, ESPN top ten for a month. He better be. And I think we should say that it's the turning point of the season because there's nobody to dispute us. Plenty of people to dispute us. You can't prove us wrong. No, but you know what? It reminds me of that Juju 97-yard touchdown against the Detroit Lions last year. Honestly, before that touchdown, the Steelers had been mediocre to bad on offense. And after that touchdown, they kind of set the world on fire. From then on, I really do think that there was something to that. Juju, a new player, someone that you were hoping was going to turn into a weapon, you know, breaking out in such a big way. We hadn't had a long touchdown that season. I mean, the way that Vance stole that man's soul from his face was so inspiring to me. I definitely jumped up and almost punched the TV in the face out of joy. But luckily, uh, I drew back on that. But, man, that was so nice. And I think it gave the Steelers a good confidence boost at the beginning of the game. Not to mention, that dude's a beast. Well, let's try and tie this all together. Ben is a leader, undisputed leader. He is having a great season. Turnovers aside, or in spite of turnovers, right. he is getting an emerging supporting cast that's impressive, and it's going to be hard to tie down. Especially, again, considering that the offensive line was really dinged up. Makes me feel really good about our depth. Yeah. Totally. And you mentioned Switzer. I think the Steelers got more than they bargained for. I think that they found a weapon they weren't counting on having this year. Like you said, when we were in June, July, even in August in training camp, there was excitement about Washington, but it was really a mystery. Who was even going to be the number three? And now there's so many guys that you can't even get the ball to them. I mean, hopefully Vance stays healthy, but man, Ryan Switzer, we'll get more into his uh, performance later when we get into the grades. But this guy... uh, he literally came from the Caucasian receiver factory that you got Edelman and Amendola and um, Welker and all those douchebags from. <laughs> Same skill set. Turn on a dime, make nice catches, great punt returner. Right, and you notice he started the game again. Yeah, they got a lot of – okay, so that was nice too. Here's another improvement. Um, the feet master. This guy – Switzer, he could be a Switz army knife, according to uh, Fiener. And I don't want him to get too cute with that, um, because like we've said with those type of guys before, Dre Archers or whatever, Chris Rainey, it can become apparent 
apparent what the Steelers are going to do if you have a gadget guy in there. But here's the thing with him. He's not just a gadget guy because he can actually go out of the slot and he's even shown the ability to pick up an occasional first down on the ground. But the first play of the game was basically out of shotgun switzers in the backfield as a running back. And all the receivers ran little short down and in routes. They ran five routes up the field and turned in towards the left sideline. And he kind of did the same thing, just flaring out to the left from the backfield. And they picked up a couple yards on first down. Wasn't a super successful play, but it was a quick, easy completion, which I like. We mentioned that last week. We shouldn't be starting with obvious jumbo runs or bombs every time on the first play. Feetner, get Ben in a a little bit of a rhythm. Um, that was a cool play that he called first. I like that one. So I think we've covered the offense pretty well. Should we move to the, the great big hole that is special teams? Actually, I shouldn't say that. The great big hole that is Boss Gags. Boz Skaggs is having some struggles, so we'll give you some good, we'll give you some bad, and there's plenty more good to talk about later, guys. We haven't even started on uh, James Conner, but yeah, Boss is a disaster right now. I sent out a tweet last night that I went so back and forth on after I sent it, even before I'm thinking, should I put this thing out? Because I thought it would make me look like a foolish football fan who makes quick snap judgments, but I don't think it's that crazy. The tweet was this, that, I mean, the guy has missed three out of four field goals, and he's already missed two extra points. And I said, man, this seems extreme. But if Boss keeps this up, the Steelers might be looking for a new kicker soon. Just because we've all seen it before. When a kicker loses it, they just lose it. And I don't think he's quite at that level. And I do think he will rebound because he's so young. He's in great physical condition and all that stuff. But man... You know, if he doesn't get it on track soon, these type of kickers always come back to bite you in the butt at the end of the season. And it's it's been pretty bad from him so far. Well, that's why I turned out on my bonuses. I'm afraid that it'll throw me off my game. Well, that's what a smart man does. Play the long game there. Keep the people happy. Maybe Boz should have thought of that. But, yeah, he's been pretty bad. But you know what's worse? Uh, all the rest of the special teams. Because I'll say this. Barry had a very nice bounce back game. He hit three punts inside the 20 and at least like two of them down to the one, even though one got overturned. So that was nice. All right. But the Steelers gave up a punt return touchdown. And I know it got called back for a holding by the Bucks, but there were plenty of guys who could have tackled him, including Jordan Barry, who at the very end ran right up to Deshaun Jackson, just to blow in his ear lightly. Like Lance Stevenson blowing in LeBron's ear all those years ago on the foul line. So but that gonna, was a disaster. I'm going to disagree. I mean, I look at the uh, – so you do have to count the holding penalty. Maybe that was the one that, that, that sprung him. And if you look at the re- punting return, there was no returning of any punt on four punts. Um, Boz was kicking the ball, and you and I may disagree on this. I, I think – we don't think he has his strongest leg and can kick it out of the end zone every time. But no. he was so consistently kicking it down to the five or six-yard line, it looked like a strategy. And uh, Wilson's return was uh, – it never got back to the 25. So the longest return he had was 17 yards. I thought the coverage was, was more than adequate. And the punting just, and the kicking was fine. When I rewatched the punt return from Deshaun Jackson – I guess they did call it on the guy who was closest to him, but I, I, I don't think the hold was necessary. I think Deshaun had a full head of steam and he would have got past them anyway. So maybe agree to disagree there. But that's what I was trying to look for on that replay. Um, there were other guys who should have had an opportunity to tackle in there. And I think giving up a power turn touchdown negates any other good coverage. But the thing that's really bothering me is there were five special teams penalties 
We were talking about it during the game. Half the time the Steelers are on a punt or a kick on either side, there's a penalty. And it's been that way in all three games. And this is just getting out of control here. Special teams are a disaster. I will say, I mean, Boz is unmitigated disaster. Barry has been a disaster until last night. Great improvement there with, with pinning the team in deep. And then Switzer is awesome. And he's returning nice because besides, here's a couple of the plays of the game. The stiff arm of doom 2.0. I, I never thought that Le'Veon stiff arm against Drake Kirkpatrick would be surpassed, but uh, Vance proved me wrong. Other play, obviously Ben's scramble basically to win the game, a scramble, an 18-yard throw across his body, body that only a true football god can make. And the other one was shortly before that when the Buccaneers punter punted at about 140 yards and Switzer had to run backwards, track the ball over his shoulder, caught it at the Steelers' 16-yard line, and had the most understated 16-yard punt return that you could see. So I was looking at the drives in the second half, and I was trying to figure out, I was like, I feel like that last drive was pretty successful, but how did they get, how did they wind the clock out? And I realized, man, this guy returned it all the way to the, uh, where was it, the 32-yard line. 16-yard return, got the Steelers into a good position, and then right after that, Ben and Connor sealed the game. Ben Magic, he had the uh, 18-yarder, which got the Steelers right to the 15-yard line. And then right after that, Connor uh, hit the 17-yarder to seal the game. But, man, that return was crucial, and it's just awesome seeing a guy back there who always gets positive yardage. And you can rely on to catch it. Speaking of Jordan Berry, did you notice some um – on the play, we had, after we had the interception, uh, we got sacked a couple of times. He had to punt it. He'd get it to the two-yard line. He looked incredibly happy when he came down to greet his teammates. Maybe relief happy. is the word. Yeah, relieved could be it. It's a sign of a crazy man breaking right there. Are you ready to shift to defense? <sighs> no, but let's do it. Let me tell you, the best defensive player we had was Tampa Bay. And it's not even Ryan Fitzpatrick. I was questioning their offensive coordinator deciding to run the ball at all. Questionable decision-making on their part, yeah. And it was interesting that Booger, one of the announcers, was saying they should be running the ball. And his his co-conspirators were asking, why doesn't Tampa Bay throw the ball? So to each his own there. But it did seem kind of a pretty ineffective uh, run game on Tampa Bay's part. That's so antiquated, too. I keep having this discussion. I think we mentioned it last week. But people who say you need to have run-pass balance, they're living in the past. That was an old thing. The the Patriots taught it to us for years when they didn't run a single time in about six games against us and crushed us by 20 points every game. If it's working, keep doing it. I'm not concerned about the Steelers' balance, uh, and obviously the Buccaneers weren't that concerned about theirs either. Yeah, I think we agree that the strategy is to score one more point than your opponent. It's a solid strategy. Let's see if it pays off. So the defense. Hey, I'll say this. It was nice having Joe Hayden back. He made that break up on the first uh, first third down of the game and had a couple other ones that were pretty nice. Um, and uh, let me think. Who else? Who else? Who else? Nobody was that impressive. Here's my big issue uh, with this defense. There seemed like there was more pressure um, last night, well, I guess two nights ago, if you're listening to this, I'm not sure how many sacks we had, but the Three issue, sacks. 
We had three sacks. Well, that's, right. that's decent. That's a nice number. You'll take that any day. But here's the problem, man, is we rely on so many like twists and stunts and blitz and weird things like that to try and get to the quarterback. And a lot of them don't work that when you play those guys like Breeze and Brady that you're going to hit later in the year, they're going to carve you up. You have to find a way to generate pressure with a three and four man rush. And uh, that was a tendency that I didn't like, man. And when Fitz didn't throw the ball to us those three times, I mean, they drove every single time down the field. And those receivers, Deshaun's a fast guy, but it it, it bugs me when Mike Evans, who's a, who's a top flight NFL receiver but not known for his speed, he's beating people on double moves deep all game long. I mean, these cornerbacks, they're not professional football players. Well, I would, uh, I'd agree. A foreshadowing of the future is not optimistic, but you were able to rush. And uh, Fitzpatrick got, at times got, uh, got to be a deer in the headlights, waited too long. Yeah. And I, I love the fact we were bringing more than three guys. Many times we were bringing th- five. That's fine against Fitzpatrick. That's fine. Yeah, it was effective today, That's but I'm trying to look at the do. process. Yeah, what, Tom Brady is going th- – uh, I'm just – hey. I'm saying it's good for that game. You know who you're playing. You're playing Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he did what you wanted him to do. But I am trying to project into the future. You have to be able to look at your players and see how are they getting sacks. Like what we said about TJ Watt in the first game when he had the four sacks, and we said, like, listen, it was great to see that from him, but it's not like he went out there and had four James Harrison sacks. He's getting cleanups. But I had a sack this game. Surprise, surprise, it was another hustle sack. So I'm just looking at that in the future and seeing that, like, you know, Tampa Bay doesn't have an awesome offensive line, and we still needed to blitz to get into them. When you play someone, I mean, look what happened to Tampa Bay when they blitz Ben. They get carved up. You play Ben, you play Breeze, you play Brady, you're going to get absolutely throttled, just like they did last week against Mahomes. So, so we're not going to spend a ton of time on defense because we agree it's, it's almost futile at this point. There's no game scheming. The players aren't stepping up. We need to rely on a 50-point production. We definitely do. Uh, I, I mean, you got to expect the, the unit to get a little bit better as they go along. Um, but, yeah, they well, didn't the play Joe, Joe, Joe Hayden added something, for sure. But it did. Yeah, that's it didn't helpful. lift the whole team. No, it did not. And there were some nice plays that they made in the backfield. I like that. And, and like you said, it was working. And hopefully you'll be able to beat up on teams with quarterbacks like this but and, and buy yourself some time to play those great quarterbacks that you're going to hit later in the season. But let's not think of the future. Let's think of the present. You know what's a fun thing to do? Gamble. Gambling's fun, especially when you win. You know how you can win? If you go into my bookie. Ever since we started this podcast, you people have been asking us for advice. And honestly, we dole it out because we have to. It's our calling. Usually you guys are asking about what team to bet on this week. The truth is we don't know because the Vikings got smashed, stomped on by the Buffalo Bills who won't win another game for 14 years. That's an exaggeration, but that was crazy. There were a lot of upsets. Sometimes we don't know. But, hey, remember, people, who you're betting on is just as important as who you are betting with. That's why we always tell people to bet with my bookie. They're, they're, they're basically the top of the line. My bookie is the Pramani Brothers sandwich of betting websites. Okay? All other sites are just gas station subway. So we wouldn't recommend anything that we hadn't used ourselves. 
And that's why we urge you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game, live betting, over and unders, fantasy points, anything you can imagine you can bet on pretty easily because even I figured it out the first time through. If you were uh, very astute, when the Steelers were sitting up 30 to 10, you would have bet they would have only won by three. And if by astute, I mean an evil, dark person who can tell the future. So if you're willing to... If you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, my bookie will give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. And if you use our promo code, which is Outpost25, you can activate this offer. So visit my bookie online today. That's M Y B O O K I E. And don't forget to use our promo code Outpost25 when you are creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free pay. Remember, make your deposit of over $100 after 7 p.m. Eastern and get that extra cold hard cash because you play, you win, you get paid. Good deal. Well, you want to get into the grades? Uh, I think there was a little scuttlebutt about Le'Veon. We we agreed not to say anything until there was some movement, but I believe Bell there may Watch. have been. Yeah, I guess we got to talk about Bellwatch. Listen, we're we're burying this in the middle of the show, guys, because there's not that much to talk about. Obviously, on the Sunday morning news dump, it was reported that the Steelers are now open to trading Le'Veon. Uh, just like they were open to trading Martavis, um, I guess all that really means is they're accepting offers, and if anybody gives a psychotic offer, they would take that. But this this trade is going to be insanely hard to pull off, like we said before. I mean, first off, he needs to sign his franchise tag, and then he's going to a team where, like, man, he, he might not play any games for them, or he'd have to guarantee that he would play for them this season. And even if he did play this season – they have no guarantee that he's going to sign long term after the year's done. And why would he? I mean, unless the only point of sitting out this season is because he hates the Steelers. I thought it was because he doesn't want to take any injury risk whatsoever and cash in big next year in free agency. So if he goes to another team, he still has the same goal, right? I, I don't see why he would agree to sign the tag if, if that were the sure. case. Sure. It'll be interesting if somebody pays the kind of money that would uh, allow us to trade him. That's what I'm curious about. If I'm him, um, you know, I'm not sure I want to come in two thirds of the season, two thirds of the way into the season, without having been to training camp with with a brand new team. I mean, he yeah. wants to be he wants to totally. be a newborn babe when he can start his brand new contract. Yeah, and they can't negotiate his contract until after the season is over, which none of the national media can get through their damn heads. I'm exaggerating; some of them are getting it, but people are still saying, "Oh, if they trade him and he could get a new deal with a new team, he can't." Not until after this year is done. So I just don't really see the the reasoning why Le'Veon would agree to even sign the the contract, which he needs to do in order to get traded. So one last thing I wanted to mention: I uh, I think the Steelers have traditionally done well on Monday Night Football. Oh yeah, I, don't really I love these commentators. It's ESPN sucks. Oh my god, it, it's the B team. It's the B team at twelve o'clock on the lunch break in Idaho. All right. Terrible booger. They literally put booger on a on a on a tall scooter and just wheel him along with some screens as the ball as it goes by. Like, listen, booger, dude, you are a good player, but you smell like the bottom of a couch. We gotta have you out of this box because we got Jason Winton up here acting like a freaking milk carton with his lukewarm takes. 
and I don't even know the other guy's name. I was going to look it up for the sake of professionalism to be a professional. And then I said, this, this guy's not a professional. Why should I be? They are so boring. The graphics are so stupid. The camera angles are dumb. When they showed, they didn't even show Switzer's touchdown. They did that stupid camera out of the back of the end zone. And then just some, you heard some commotion and Ben throw it to the side and Switzer right outside of the screen. And you, you were like, I'm, I think we just scored there. And then you realize seconds later that they did. But whoo, those commentators are as bad as the quarterback sack rule. Ah, that was wonderful. Uh, let's put up into the grades. And let's start with Ben Roethlisberger. 353 Roethlis- yards passing, three touchdowns, one interception, and countless intangible uh, extensions of plays. Yeah, he had the pick early in the game, and like we said, he still needs to calibrate that deep ball. He definitely missed A-B on one deep one, and and maybe he took a sack or two, but honestly, man, that's all I can see. Uh, This guy is constantly creating plays. He's doing a lot of that old Ben magic type stuff, moving around in the pocket. Does it make me nervous? Yep, but it's our only chance to win with a defense this bad. Okay, and he is carrying a team, making things happen. He's making teammates better around him. I believe he got this grade last week, uh, but either way, it's another A plus for Ben Roethlisberger. A plus. Let's move on to the running backs. We have something a little more in addition. I don't think uh, the Riddler ran. Did Riddler run last last week? I don't I think, think he, he did. did. Yeah, he got in there a couple of times. Anyway, he got in there, and I mentioned him by way of the fact he's running uh, six yards per clip. Anyway, James Conner, 15 attempts, 61 yards, four-point yards per carry. Not a, Kind of a, a frustrating most of the game, but he did have that break for 27 yards, which really sort of broke a logjam for the Steelers. It did, and that wasn't the only thing, man. I mean, on this second watch of the game, I, I realized how, how good of a game James Conner has had, and he is looking really good. He was so awesome in the first week. He, we, we haven't really talked about his production that much against the Chiefs and the Buccaneers because, frankly, we had to start passing the ball every single play against these guys, so we got phased out a little bit. But th- he is looking really good. Man, when I rewatched, obviously he got stonewalled kind of repeatedly early in the game. But, hey, we had a, a backup offensive line in there, man. There wasn't much to be had. And he was still doing things that I want to see my starting running back do, which is break a tackle on every play. Basically, he might he might not have that Le'Veon quality of, of being able to turn two yard losses or four yard losses into zero yard gains or something like that. But I mean, nobody has that as good as Le'Veon, in my opinion. He did show the ability to kind of mitigate damage that way a few times. He makes just these slight little cuts to gain extra yardage. He's always falling forward. He's breaking tackles. His pass blocking has definitely improved and he's become a reliable dude catching the ball. I mean, I thought he had a really good game. And then bigger than anything is he closed the game out for the Steelers. And what a far cry from what he did against Cleveland, which was literally lose the game for the Steelers by handing the Browns the ball. I mean, it wasn't just that 27-yard run you mentioned before. It was the 17-yarder to ice the game. That was nice to see. He wasn't just trying to put two hands on it and fall on the ball. He aggressively won the game for the Steelers at the end there. Do you have a grade? Yeah, and I think due to his lack of involvement, oh, I know I just praised the hell out of him, so it sounds like an A+, plus, but there's still room for improvement with him, and uh, you know, he didn't get a ton of opportunities, but his stat line is what it is, so he gets an A-. Minus. A-. Minus. Well, let's move on to wide receiver. 
So Juju Smith Schuster is one of the best receivers in the NFL. And he's the leading receiver for the Steelers too. three straight games with 100 yards. Um, a B obviously we're, we're still looking for a stats to get up, but his touchdown was vintage. A B catches the screen, makes one guy miss and another it outruns another guy in the end zone made it look easy. I think the, the biggest highlight besides Juju becoming a dominant receiver was James Washington took a step forward, two beautiful catches across the middle where Ben just flicked the ball out to him. He jumped up in the middle of the field, high pointed it with strong hands and brought it down. Really nice game from them. Um, and then Switzer had the touchdown. I think I got to give them the good old grade of A. All right. Let's move on to tight end. I mean, this was just this. Uh, this is a Steelers fan wet dream, isn't it? It's Vance McDonald playing in a game. He was dominant, not just the stiff arm, but he blocked well. He made a number of nice first down catches. Uh, Jesse, I think, got at least one in there. But, man. If this guy can stay healthy, he, he's going to be one of the best, most productive tight ends in the league, potentially, or at least one of the best secret weapons. He gets a grade. Well, him and his boys get a grade of A+. plus. All right. Let's talk about the offensive line. And as we mentioned before, Filer and B.J. Finney filled in. Uh, I think they did an admirable job. It's one of the places I focus since we do all the specialty players and I have to watch the guys in the trenches. Yeah, it's a great life that I have here. But you're right. They did... Uh, they did hold up. I mean, I guess you could grade them on a curve according to what you would expect out of these guys, but um, we don't really do that. They didn't get much of a push on the run game, but they did help seal it when it was over. And Ben did have definitely have some pressure on him, but hey, man, he dropped back, you know, 38 times, and and overall they did a pretty decent job. And uh, the the offense was never really hugely stalled, and the offensive line is obviously a big part of that. Um, but you can't say they dominated in any phase. They just sort of held it together. So we're going to give them a grade of C. Very good. And for the offensive coordinator. I kind of go back and forth with this one. Um, I Like I said, I did like his opening script. I thought that was better, a little bit more creative, even though the Steelers did go three and out for the third consecutive game. Uh, that's not very nice. I thought that he was better in the red zone. That Switzer touchdown was a, was a really shrewd call. They line them up in a stack formation with A-B, which means it's hard to play man against the, those guys because you're not sure which way they're going to go. Because if you watch the previous plays, they were doing man coverage every single time. So I thought he did a good job with that. He called a QB sneak. I love that. But again, he just uh, – I know it worked, but calling those jumbo formations at the end of the game when they haven't been working all game, you can't argue with the result, but I don't love the process. I'm going to give him a grade of C+. Plus. C plus. Wow, okay. So moving on to the other side of the ball, the defensive line. I think we had uh, Cam Howard doing his usual admirable job. I thought that the defensive line did well. And I think they got some push. I think that was helped by the fact we had some more blitzing and they had some more uh, help from some quarterback rushes. Yeah, they always do okay. Although I've been looking for Cam to uh, step out and have more sacks like he had last year. And I haven't been seeing a ton of that. It's mainly been stuff on stunts. So I thought they did all right. Um, But obviously they're the one kind of semi-reliable unit on this defense. We are giving them a grade of B. So outside linebackers, I think you said Bud had some nice, a uh, nice statistical performance. 
Uh, yeah. I spent a lot of time watching TJ Watt, who's sort of all over the field. I, I think TJ is definitely more effective. But Bud was in the right place at the right time for that interception. I give him credit, though. He did a little juke to get into the end zone. He's, he could have gotten nailed there, but he did score. I give him credit for the stiff arm. Apparently, that's what the Steelers do in practice is just an hour and a half of stiff arms with the way Vance, A.B. know how to do it and Le'Veon knows how to do it. I mean, man, I was impressed with Bud. He is hilarious, though. He didn't know what to do when he got in the end zone. <laughs> he just stood there, and he didn't quite vogue, or he didn't really flex. He just kind of soaked it in for a moment and then tried to salvage it. But, uh, yeah, they can't beat anyone one-on-one. That's why the Steelers have to blitz so constantly. They are so below the line. I do like how TJ's in improving. And every game I see him get around the corner at least once, he hasn't really – translated that to real sacks yet i like him improving but improvement isn't production so we give the outside linebackers a c minus minus sorry fair enough next week so inside linebackers john bostic and vince williams didn't have a ton of work to do right and uh once again um, the old butt master and Tomlin put them in the position sometimes of having to carry those tight ends up the middle of the field. So I'm not going to hold that against them. They had some nice plays. Bostic had a, a nice header to Mike Hilton, the silver bullet for an interception. But overall, you know, they're not impact players, those guys. So we give the inside linebackers a C. Now we move on to the defensive backs. I must say there were a couple good plays. We both noted Joe Hayden, return of Joe Hayden, and a good play here or there doesn't confidence make. Uh, there's not much to say. I mean, every time there's a ball thrown high in the air, the other team's receiver comes down with it. And I get Mike Evans is maybe the best guy at doing that in the NFL, or at least one of them. But when you're getting burned by guys like that, they don't know how to turn their freaking head in the end zone when Godwin caught that touchdown pass. I mean, it's just... It's comedy capers out here. And Tomlin says they're going to rotate the guy opposite Joe Hayden until they can find a starting corner. I mean, you got Artie who I, I think we're – if we're not calling him a bust yet, we are right on the edge of that. It's I mean, this is about as bad a start to a season as you could hope for for this guy. Cody Sensabaugh, I don't see the sense in playing the guy. He's bad. We know what he is. You should really just get Sutton in there and let him take his lumps and see what we have with him. But, uh, yeah, they're terrible. And then um, Sean Davis, actually, honestly, there's been some bright spots for him uh, coming up and making some tackles. He's played better than a lot of people have thought. Um, and Edmonds, not much to speak of. He's been pretty conservative. I mean, they're horrible. They're getting thrown on by every single single quarterback. Yeah. So we're going to give them credit by giving uh, them a D. And speaking of the Keith Butler, defensive coordinator, I'm just not sure what there is to be done. Maybe training? Army training. But Army the question training. is, they, they're they trying to find the right combination. It doesn't matter if you have 12 cracked eggs. You're not going to have a carton of intact eggs. Worst analogy ever, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I do know what you mean. And Didi Kinkabwala said something on Twitter when somebody was going at Butler that this is all Tomlin's defense, indicating that he puts the installs. I don't know if he calls the actual plays, but I, I was getting to the point with Butler anyways that, I, you know, I mean, I guess if you don't have a competent defensive coordinator, the offense, the uh, head coach has to call it. But they both get some blame for this kind of stuff, right, man? I mean, they're just I, – 
I guess you can give them credit for sticking with the blitz because, like you said, it was working against these guys. But then again, I mean, 155 yards and penalties, some of those are from them. But the bigger thing is the 400 yards passing. I mean, what more can you say? This defense is an absolute train wreck, and it's not getting better. Defensive coordinator, D. D. So I guess uh, let's wrap it up here with the special teams. Kickoff, punting, extra points, and field goals. I don't think you could do anything That's to so keep hard to- Boz. I'm going to, you know, I got to tell you, Boz, the, the one bright spot, he did start hitting a couple extra points, although as we went on, the ball kept drifting to the near to the right upright. But I did uh, appreciate he did a good job on punt and kickoff if that, in fact, was our intention or our strategy to have them run it back. Yeah, listen, I mean, Barry had a nice game. Boz had a horrible game. I mean, considering what he's been doing recently, you missed a field goal and another extra point. Um, Those could have proven to be critical if Fitzpatrick had gotten a field goal on that last drive. Um, But, dude, the, the five penalties... The giving up a punt touchdown, which I do hold against them just because I thought that that would have stood anyways, even if the guy hadn't held. Um, and Boss missing those field goals. This special teams is a disaster, man. I mean, I don't know what else to say about them. They got to improve. At least at least Barry did, and at least he still got the Switz Army knife back there. So I think Boss can get it back on track. Of course, I really do. But uh, he didn't this week, and we can't give him a good grade because of that. So you want to give him a D? D. Absolutely, yeah. You give up a kick touchdown, miss a field goal. You give up a punt return touchdown, you miss a field goal, and you miss an extra point. I know the punt didn't t- didn't uh, count, but I have to count the process. Wow. Things that didn't happen. You're grading. It happened. Deep we, got, we lucked out. All right. Last one, Mike Tomlin. Uh, I guess you just got to – I'll give the guy a B. I mean, the defense isn't fixed, but once again, they win in prime time. They found a way to get it done. Maybe a, yeah. I mean, they won the game. They did win the game. Though the head coach helps your that. helps your grade. Uh, so that was pretty negative to stop it all, guys. Ben is a god. Vance is breaking out. Connor's breaking out. Juju's breaking out. AB hasn't even lit the flames of glory yet this season. I mean, it's going down, boys. And uh, look at this. Look at this, everybody. We play Baltimore this week in Pittsburgh. When we beat them, we'll be in first place. Boom. Just like that. All right. That's a late game, isn't it, on Sunday? Yeah, Sunday night. So things are looking up. No ESPN cameras for that. Thank, Thank God. goodness. So we really appreciate you listening to our show. There's a lot of take uptake from this show as uh, adjudicated by Twitter. Got a lot of followers, a lot of action, a lot of conversation there. Yes. We're doing this podcast each week, and we are at late. On Tuesday night, way past our bedtime, because we want to get out this fine product to you late tonight. So, if you haven't subscribed to us, please do. Um, we would ask you for ratings. We just, we just love the sound of your voices. Please hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Leave us a note at the website SteelersOutpost.com or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Until next week, thanks for listening. Go Steelers! I'll ask you for ratings. Give us five stars on iTunes. Okay, bye-bye. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. 
VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.